been on an amazing journey through Hebrews. And, you know, there's been uh, some, good, some good theology. We've been learning uh, about you know, the person of Christ, who he is. And there's been some challenges thrown out our way. There's been promises given to us. There's been warnings. There's been good examples and bad. There's been words of rebuke, you know, kind of things where we've gone, wow, that's tough. Thank you to whoever wrote that to us. And there's been lots and lots of words of encouragement too. It's a great book and it inspires us and encourages us to follow after Jesus with all that we have, to hold tightly to him and to his promises. You know, that was the purpose of this this letter or this sermon to the, the, the church in Rome. You know, it's really tough. We know it's tough, but we're saying, hold on. God's worth it. To not waver to go deep in our discipleship. Now we face one of the most well-known chapters in the New Testament. We're in chapter 11. And there's a roll call of God's faithful, faithful people through all the biblical times to inspire us and challenge us to always trust God and be bold and to continue to live for him. And at the center of bold living is quite simply that word that we were just singing about, faith. And it seems to me from my reading of scriptures that the life of faith is the, is the way that we please God. In fact, it's the only way we please God. That the life of faith is what he wants of us more than anything. If you want to please God, have faith in him. Live a life like that. Not, not a blind faith, not some kind of weird Christianity that disconnects the brain, but a settled understanding and belief based on the good evidence that we have that Jesus is who he said he is and a strong commitment to seek out God's will for us. So we're going to read the intro to Hebrews 11 because the author it helps us straight away with what is this faith thing. So let's have a look. Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. And we'll get to the ancients over the coming weeks. If you haven't been here lately, just to let you know, that's what's going to happen. After Kay's finished next week, then we're going to share share the preaching around with some of the other pastors and and ministerial students, and they're each going to pick one of the ancients, as the author says it there, and, and let us know some more about them And why would they be listed here as an example? What can we learn from them? So that's what we're going to be doing uh, through the rest of November and December. But but what we are looking for is these great examples. And if you've ever struggled to define faith, I think the word confidence is a good word for us to start with. Confidence in who God is. Confidence in what he has done. And if you don't have that confidence, I think the call in the, in the scriptures is to find it, is to seek it. Confidence in what he has promised to do. Assurance that even though we can't see him, he's working. Assurance of our salvation. You know, that, that we're locked into God's kingdom, that he has made a place in eternity for us, if we've committed in faith to Him, you know, assurance that what is said in the God's Word is real for us. So that confidence is not in my ability; it's confidence in God's ability, and therefore we can have confidence to do everything that He calls us to do. That's faith. 
Confidence in who God is and what he can do. That, that's faith. And here's the important bit. The evidence of your faith is demonstrated by the way you live. It's visible to others. You've probably noticed this morning I used the NOV translation. You're thinking, well, that's not normal for you, Nathan. Well, I just liked those two words, confidence and assurance. But now I want to show you what the NLT says. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And I think this, this translation leans more on the fact that faith is seen in, in, in how we live. You know, it's more than acknowledging things. It's more than words. It's more than a feeling. It shows up in our reality. It shows up in our life. It actually produces evidence of God. You know, the way we live produces evidence that God exists through the decisions we make, the manner that we live out of total obedience to him. That's why Hebrews goes on to list all those examples of so many others. The lives they lived and many of the choices they made, they're the testaments that faith is real. That's why we can have confidence. Because of all the testimonies that we read about, even today, that we hear from each other, that gives us confidence. It's in our everyday choices. In other words, if you lack faith, then start with saying yes to God, even if it's something small. Because a small step of faith can lead to large results. Here's how Jesus says it in Matthew 17. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, and apparently that's a small seed, then you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible. Now, yeah, okay, he's using hyperbole. You know, he's, We're not going to actually see real physical mountains move around, but there's mountains, obviously, he's talking about significantly in our life, in the society around us even that require us to have faith about what God can do. Even the big things. But sometimes a small step of faith can lead to large results. Can't think of what that looks like. I'm going to give you some examples that I just thought of when I was sitting in my office this week. What's a small step of faith going to look like for us? Maybe if God gives an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. You know, take a small step of faith and plant that seed because that's what we're about, right? We're about planting seeds. It, it might be inviting someone to Alpha. It was so good to hear a testimony from the Tabers that they're running Alpha somewhere and people are coming to faith through that course. But we, we take a small step of faith someone because God brought an opportunity our way in someone's life. The large result is someone's life can, can be changed. For eternity, that, that's a big result from a small step of faith. Or maybe you think God is calling you into some kind of mission work, but you're unsure. Take a small step of faith. You know, come next week and speak to all the people that are going to be here from all the different mission organizations and, and speak to people who, are, who have been in the mission field. Ask them about their experience. That's why I've got Kay coming next week. We'll go to the Mission Matters Conference in Mount Tambourine next year. Because that's, sometimes that small step of faith could lead to some very large results. Maybe you've been feeling that God has asked you to be more generous in your giving, but you're really worried about how can I possibly afford to give more money to be more generous. Take a small step of faith. You know, he, Here's a, a great idea, and I've tried it a couple of times myself. 
Put a $50 note in your wallet and pray, God, who is this for? And don't give it out until he shows you who it is. And just give it. And then do it again. Joyfully. Like Paul says that we should do it. Or sponsor a compassion child. Or if tithing is your struggle, take a small step of faith and say, I'm going to just, I'm going to increase by 1% this year. And trust God with it because sometimes that small step can lead to really large outcomes. Maybe God is talking to you about an addiction in your life and he wants you to do away with it. But the thought of that is kind of scary because I understand how addictions work. That feeling that it gives you, it becomes part of you. You know it's going to be really hard. Take a small step of faith and talk to someone who would support you or who's qualified to help you. Take a small step by asking someone to partner with you through prayer and accountability because the outcome of these things could be big for you and those around you. Maybe God wants you to reconcile with someone. You know, there's been hurt. There's been conflict. You've had a falling out. You know that the scriptures say that we have to forgive. But that's hard. So stop praying for strength and courage until he gives you what you need. Take a small step of faith. Send that letter. Make that call. Set up that coffee appointment. If I ring you this week for a coffee appointment, don't stress. It's okay. <laughs> and perhaps God is prompting you to, to start a business. He's given you that entrepreneurial kind of spirit, which is awesome. It's not about becoming rich, but it might be about starting something that does really good in this world. Or, you know, it, it, perhaps it, it generates jobs for people or even income that you can give to support kingdom work. Take a small step of faith. Go visit a, Christ, a Christian businesswoman or man and ask them, how do I get started? Ask for some wisdom. Maybe you've seen a ministry in the church that you want to be involved in, but you're kind of a little bit nervous about it. Maybe you're not sure if you can do it. Take a small step of faith. Talk to the ministry leader. Because sometimes out of these small steps, big things come. Perhaps you've often felt that desire to pray for people who are going through a hard time, maybe a physical ailment, and you wanted to pray for healing, but you're nervous about it. What if nothing happens? <laughs> Trust me, I get it. <laughs> but you take a small step of faith anyway. Because sometimes that, it's that little mustard seed, as, as Jesus says, that's what you need. Don't think it's not enough. <laughs> Just that mustard seed. And you pray for someone to be healed. And you trust God with it. Just take a small step of faith and begin. Because in my experience, the more steps, there's more of those little steps we take. The word confidence comes back to me. More confidence that we have that God will honor that. So our confidence is in God, and he builds confidence in us about him. So my question today is, what are you doing to respond to what God is asking of you? Now, is he asking you to lead a small group? Is he asking you to head to the mission field? Is he asking you to train for ministry? Is he asking you to feed the homeless? Maybe, just maybe, for some of you, God is asking you to completely change your career for him. What's the first step in that one? The thought of all those things sometimes frighten us. But then we look at 
all the people in Hebrews chapter 11, which we're going to hear about in the coming weeks, they were, they were frightened. Remember when we read about Moses a few weeks back? And he was like, please, Lord, somebody else. <laughs> but he took that step of faith. The whole point of this list that we're going to be seeing over the coming weeks is to look at how God honoured when they said yes. It wasn't their talents. It wasn't because they were these amazingly talented, gifted people. You know, there was no arrogance. They made history making impacts for God because they said yes in faith. They put their confidence in who God is and what he can do. You think about Noah. Now, there's a lot of little, thousands of little steps of faith in that one over many, many years. Because a small step of faith can lead to large results. Today, he challenges us to bold living in the same way, just like what we now call heroes of old. But immediately, we put up the barriers. We find the reasons why God's called to bold living. It's not for us. I'm not the hero. I'm not as good as they are. And yes, our examples in the, in the Bible, okay, they often led nations, and, uh, but most of them thought exactly the same way that we do. We think of ourselves as too average, too powerless, too ungifted to live the life of bold living. But that's the point. Those are the people that God loves to use the most. Often it's the struggling, bumbling Christians God calls to live boldly by faith. I'm a testament to that one. But it's always the prerequisite is the humble ones. You know, we've got habits and worries and hang-ups and doubts and fears and failures. God says, perfect. <laughs> You're the one that he wants to put to action because he knows that you're going to have to rely on him and not on yourself. He doesn't go looking for the arrogant ones who think they have all the answers. Instead, it's the humble ones because our confidence has to be in him. He calls us to step up and join this roll call of the faithful. We can look at the examples of other faithful people in countries like China and North Korea. They don't have you know, the thousands of Christian books that we do and the endless Christian music that we often do. They don't have the large buildings like we have. They don't have the, the really cool programs on DVD with the study guides, all of which are good, by the way, and I love them. But the point I make is they just live day to day with their faith in God you know, to protect them, to provide for them every day. They don't live by what they see with their eyes. They have an assurance in what they can't see. Like verse 1 said, assurance in what they can't see. So the call today is to live boldly in the little things because the little things lead to big things. How you manage your time, your money, your relationships, your business, your job, your future. In whatever our situation, we hear the call of faith examples from the faith examples to live boldly. For Christ, because a small step of faith can lead to large results. There's a great story in the back of the 1950s and 60s of a pastor who took a small step that led to great results. And his name, and you probably, a lot of you will be familiar with him, is David Wilkinson. He sadly passed away only a few years ago in a car accident. But David was a pastor of a, of a small country church, and he was super comfortable there. It, he was happy. He loved his church. And he would think about how he could just retire there, quite frankly. Things were good. 
But two things happened that interrupted his life, and I call them small steps of faith. The first thing is he said he decided he was going to give up his TV and spend two hours every night in prayer and, and study of the Word. I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just saying this is what he did. Although you could do that. <laughs> but this probably led him to the second thing. Because he read in Time magazine, I think it was a Life magazine or something once, about how back in those days, the, the gangs in New York were just running the place. You know, they were terrorising the city. And instead of doing what we sometimes do, you know, we get mad at those people. How dare they? You know, he didn't preach angry sermons about them. He had compassion for the brokenness that he was reading about. And he took this small step of faith and drove into Brooklyn and walked the streets until he started, until he started encountering these men. Angry, rough, often homeless, drug-addicted, often men. And he kept going back again and again and again until he until he one day had a breakthrough. And they saw their need for Jesus. And a bunch of them gave their, their lives over, completely turned around, not immediately. It was a long journey. Not all of them stayed in the faith, but many did. And one of them, his name was Nicky Cruz. He's still alive today, by the way. You can follow him on Facebook. And he still has that heart for those broken people that didn't have good family backgrounds and found the brotherhood together, but but got messed up. He took a, a small step of faith and out of that came Teen Challenge that we still see today. In fact, some of you here uh, work for, for Teen Challenge and tens of thousands of young people have been helped who really needed it. Nicky Cruz, the once hardened and violent gang member, now had the softest heart and he loved people who had been in his shoes. David's story, it's, you know, it's famous, um, and there's a book you can read called The Cross and the Switchblade, and, and if you're my age or older, you're probably very aware of it, but if you're not, if you're younger than me, I encourage you to read it. It's worth reading. Okay, yes, things can be a little bit different these days, but he heard God say, take that small step of faith, just a simple country pastor, and I don't mean because he's in the country that there was that it was something simple about it. I'm just saying that everything was comfortable for him and he took a step of faith and tens of thousands of young people have had lives changed as a result. So again, I ask, what's the small step that, that God's asking you for today? Because after this long list of people that we're going to learn about in the coming weeks, chapter 11 goes on to say this in verse 32. How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Sam, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned to strength. They became strong in battle. They put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. So inspiring, right? It makes you want to go for it. Does anyone besides Nicole want to go for it this morning? <laughs> it makes you want to go for it, yeah? Yes. Thanks, Nicole. 
Now, look, to be honest, here's where you want to land as a pastor. With that scripture, look at the results. Amazing. Leave you on a high. Have you walk out of here filled with the promise of good things because of your faith. And that's definitely part of what the purpose of that passage was for you. But then he keeps going. (laughs) And I have to read it because it's in the Bible. Others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. That's a good way to finish, you know? (laughs) They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. You see the two things there, don't you? I'm reminded, again, God's good. He lined up the tables today without me even saying anything to be the team that the, the missionary family we prayed for. But I remember Kathy Tabor's story of her parents. She shared it here a, a couple of years ago, I think it was. So some of you may be familiar with this. But Kathy's parents, they were also Bible translators with, with, with Wycliffe, just like she and Marka. And actually, Kathy's written a book about her parents, which is awesome, and she's made it available to all of you at Hills Church for free, because she loves Hills Church. And if you want that, you just mark your connections card, and I'll email it to you this week. It's definitely worth a read. But Kathy's parents, John and Betty Banker, spent most of their adult life translating the Bible in, into various languages. And for many years... They lived in in Vietnam, doing mission and Bible translation work for a a particular village there, and and they saw the gospel come to a small group of people who heard the good news for the first time. Their faithful labor of love had a big interruption when uh, when war broke out. You all know what happened with the Vietnam War, and so eventually they had to, to flee. They continued to labor with the translation word back in the States, and eventually they finished the New Testament, and so they sent off the final copy of printing to the printing press in the Philippines. Now, keep in mind, this is before computers. Everything was written by hand or typed on old-fashioned typewriters. Weeks later, they had the devastating news that the printing press had had a catastrophic fire and their whole manuscript was lost. Now, remember, no computers, no backups. They had to gather all their notes together again. They had some carbon copies as well. They did all the hard work of reproducing that full manuscript all over again. And eventually the New Testament was printed, but by now there's a new challenge because Vietnam is closed to everything and everyone, and Bibles are confiscated and banned. They managed to get some Bibles into the the country, but they never really knew what was going on in those villages that they had been in all those years earlier. Was it making a difference? Well, they continued on with translation work in other countries and other languages, and it was only back in... uh, you know, in the last decade or so that they passed away. And in December 2015, Mark and Kathy flew to Vietnam for the dedication of this now fully complete Bible, including the Old Testament this time, which others had uh, completed after they had trained them how to do translations. So they had this fully complete Bible that they wanted to dedicate, and they threw a big celebration. And when they arrived, they discovered this huge, thriving Christian community, what was once a small bamboo church of a few dozen Christians was now thousands, complete with new church auditorium, bigger than this one. And Mark and Kathy 
were there to hear the stories and receive the honor for John and Betty's faithful work. They never got to actually see all the fruit of their faithful small steps along the way. And just to add a little twist to this story, last year we had someone from Open Doors speaking here and he shared the story of a young man in Vietnam who, um, who became a Christian and was persecuted for it, but his Bible, I don't know if you remember the story, his Bible kept him uh, strong in his faith. And I remember, and Kathy was watching online, they might even be watching today, hey you guys, if you are, and she commented online, that's the Bible my parents translated. They didn't get to see the full results of saying yes in faith on this side of heaven, but small steps of faith over many years led to big results and thousands of Vietnamese coming to Jesus. Not seeing the fruit wouldn't, you know, maybe at times it might have been a little bit disappointing or they might have just felt a little tired. When will we see the blessing of harvest that the scriptures talk about? Well, they see it still. They see it now. And their reward is in heaven. So yes, I could have finished with the earlier verses vanquishing armies and receiving blessings because of our faith. But for some, the reward is going to be heaven. Verse 37 again. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They were too good for this world. Either way, there's a promise, a reward for faith. So I say let's not complicate faith too much. It's, it's choices every day that we make. You know, we can't just wait for the right feeling. It's not just about what we're feeling here. We can't wait for all, everything to align and be perfect. Because that will never happen. We make a choice based on good evidence that Jesus is who he said he is, and therefore he is worth following with all that we have. I think that's what Hebrews keeps trying to tell us over and over again. Not half-hearted, not just a little bit here and there. All that we have. And if you're still unsure about that, that's where you start. That's where your first step of faith needs to be. It's to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 11, just four simple words, have faith in God. Yeah, such a simple statement. Have faith in God. That's it. Every day. Have faith in God. All the things you do across the day, the way you react to different difficult circumstances, the way you show love for others, the way you forgive, the honesty you show, the sacrifice you have to make, the generous way you handle your finances, the small step you take when God tells you just to get going. Have faith in God because a small step can lead to large results. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that you know, the examples are there for us to show us that what you say is true. It's not just words on, a paper, on, on the paper, Lord. It's real life. We, we read about it, but we also experience it and we see it. All of us here, Lord, are walking testaments of your faithfulness. So this morning, God, I want to pray a prayer. I want, to, I want to ask you, Lord, to fill us with your faith. You know, with confidence in you. Lord, remove 
Remove the doubts. I know the doubts are okay, but Lord, we just want that confidence in you, God. And when, we, when you tell us to do something, God, we know we can just step out. We can move that foot forward, God, confidently. We may not know the outcome, but you do. We may not have the ability, but you do. We may not have that gift yet, but you will give it, Lord. So I pray you will fill us with confidence this morning. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't have the assurance that they're with you, I pray you'll give that to us today as well. Holy Spirit. Come to us today, we pray. Because Lord, even when we can't see it or feel it, we know that you are working. And we're going to declare it now to you, God, in song and in prayer.